Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Tour Radio, episode 459, coming to you on Monday. November 7th, we are back one day, one day away from political ads, no longer ruining your life. Oh, thank God. Can't wait, can't wait. But it's also three days away from USC and Colorado, and we're two days removed um, from USC beating Cal. It's a bit of a short week um, as the Trojans look forward to their 10th game of the season, looking for their ninth win. The Trojans currently 8-1 after beating Cal uh, by a score of 41-35 over the weekend. We're going to look back at the game, open up the mailbag, talk about where the Trojans stand as of now, and so much more. As always, you can follow uh, my co-host, Elisa Deratola, on Twitter at Penguin of Troy. You can follow me at MichaelCastFS. Uh, look for the show over on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever you can find a podcast. We are there, including live on YouTube as we are right now. And uh, big welcome to everyone who is joining us currently live. We've got Rama Murdy, we've got Dave the Greater, Kenny, Tim, Sam, everybody in the chat. Thank you. Welcome. Um, let's talk about USC football. I'm your host, Mike Garcia, joined with my co-host, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. That intro wasn't bad. No, it worked really well. Yeah. Good now, job. If I can remember that and like write it into a script or something. It might work. That would be good. Is there anyone in the in the chat that can write a script? That, that'd be good. <laughs> Maybe Kenny. Maybe Kenny can. Yeah, us. we know he can. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm excited to... Uh, uh, Dave, by the way, says political ads being drowned out by Christmas music. Yes. yes. This is true. We, we, can, we, can, we can never truly break free from... The, the oppression of, of ads and music. It's always it's always something. Oh, right? but I love Christmas music, so bring it on. I like Christmas I do not music that I curate. Christmas music you find in the wild, always bad. Well, that's it's not always, it, true. It's, it's always the Christmas music you don't want to hear. The music you curate is always better than the music you find in the wild. Well, yes. But the Correct. music you find in the wild for Christmas music, it's all festive. It doesn't have to be your favorite stuff, but it's all festive and it's all... I know. don't need to hear Mariah Carey's overrated song like <laughs> 8 million times. You would. You would think that song is overrated. It's not... It, it's I mean, fine. it's not the best Christmas song it's fine. to me. But. It is extremely overrated. Not working for me. But um, I'm super excited. It's an exciting time to talk about USC football. Uh, so let's get straight into the news, shall we? Shall we go right into the news? Not that there's much of it. Um, we just have to talk about the new rankings. The AP poll and the coaches poll um, have come out along with uh, Jeff Shagarin's ratings are out. The SP Plus is out. Of course, the College Football Playoff rankings come out on Tuesday. 
Um, the AP has USC currently eighth. Coaches have the Trojans seventh. Uh, Sagarin 14th. And SP Plus 16th. So in other words, the, the humans kind of high on USC. Uh, the metrics kind of low on USC comparably, um, which checks out if you look at the, the defense struggling the last couple of weeks. But of course, uh, last two weeks games in which the Trojans have been heavily favored, uh, eked out an eight and a six point win. So maybe it makes sense for now. Yeah, and the the statistical rankings like Sagarin and SP Plus are always going to hurt USC more for that defensive rating and SP Plus for that special teams rating too of one one fifteenth. Those are going to harm USC's overall ranking. Where I think the human voters maybe see it as USC's offense being ninth is that much greater for SP plus kind of deal yeah. than USC's defense being 60th for SP plus to plus kind of deal where those are equally weighted in, in those metrics. And I think voters can look and see like, yeah, USC's defense, not good, but also that offense is spectacular and they've won all of their games bar one. And that one that they didn't win was by one point on the road. So yeah, it's just the way that, uh, that, that the differential the differentials between human voters, computer voters, and whoever else. I want to talk about polls, too, and how they function. And this is one of the things that I think um, can bring some confusion and uh, some difficulty in talking about these things where things like SP Plus and Saccharin and things like that, the the computer polls and and the metrics that are are put together by all these various analytic numbers and all these things, they're not necessarily looking at the scores of games. You're looking more to the context of like, did this team cover? Did they yeah. w- like, it's way more than just the superficial things that us humans look at. Right. Um, and then you have the human polls, the AP poll, the AP poll coaches poll. That is who is the best team right now. That is, that is what those are. Rank the best teams right now as they are. Based uh, on what schedule they've already played. No, no, I, I, I think I think you're wrong. This is why I wanted to explain this. I no, it's, it's schedules. I, schedules come into play. Like if you haven't played the game that you're probably going to lose, you're going to be ranked high. Well, yes. Or if you've already played the game that you lost, you're going to be ranked low. I think I saw somebody on Twitter make the point that schedule. This is how weird schedules are. If Notre Dame had lost to Clemson, had lost to to Stanford this week, but beaten Clemson three weeks ago when they lost to Stanford. If you flip those results, they would not be like even close to being ranked right now. And it's just because right. there's Whereas recency the bias. Sees them, the, sees them all collectively as, the, as right. the whole season. So there's recency bias for sure, but recency bias certainly dictated by when you lost, when you won, what your schedule yes. looks like, and disregarding what your future schedule looks like often. But but that's why I said that the human poll is who the, be, who the who's the best team right now. Yeah. Who's the best team right now? And th- this is why they're theoretically. Yeah. You have some problems with some voters um, put their AP poll as sort of a very predictive measurement or a very resume centric measurement. And it's like, okay, but that's not what the AP poll is. The AP poll is, who are the best? Who are the best teams right now? Right, uh, that's just the 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 basic understanding of what the the AP poll is. 
on Tuesday, the college football um, playoff comes out. I think we need to stop talking about it as if it's a poll because it's not what it is. It's or a ranking. It is. It is a um, a yeah. It's practice for. Um, These are preseason games for the committee. Yeah, like it's practice, and and so you you are evaluating teams as if the season is over. Yes, as if the season is over, and only on the amount of stuff that you have, and so that's why that poll ends up being dramatically different. That's why Tennessee was number one last week, but number three in the AP or mm-hmm. whatever it was. Right, like you end up with these these wildly different interpretations because it, you have to pretend like nothing else is happening. Which is honestly, I'm surprised SC last week was the same as it was um, in the in the human polls because I could sort of see the the committee being sort of down on SC because the thickest part of SC schedule is still to come, right? Um, they still have to play UCLA on the road, um, their hardest game of the season, certainly, um, at least by the by the metrics, by the polls, all those things. UCLA, assuming that they get by Arizona this week, is going to be ranked higher than than Utah was. Um, we'll, we'll see what the what the Vegas line is when we get there. But you know, it the hardest game of the season, uh, followed by Notre Dame, who now is probably going to be a ranked team, right? Like two ranked games to finish out the year. Uh, if they get to the Pac-12 championship, another ranked game, a uh, potentially another top ten game. Um, and yeah, and, the, and the, the committee is looking at it as in the C, if the season ended today, this is what it is. The AP poll is not if the season ended today, this is what it is, right? Like they're, they're just, they're different. I don't know why I'm explaining this, but I, I feel the need. Well, it, because people misunderstand polls. And I think there was discussion on, on Twitter uh, today that it probably prompted this that was sort of talking about does USC's ranking right now matter? And I think you and I are both of the opinion that the ranking right now doesn't really matter whether USC is 9, 10, 8, or 7. Because if USC beats UCLA and beats Notre Dame and obviously gets through Colorado, then their ranking will reflect those games. And if USC gets to the Pac-12 title game and beats the the opponent in the Pac-12 title game, then their ranking ranking will reflect those games. Those games are going to be more meaningful to what USC's ultimate ranking is than the games that have already passed. So it's all about making sure that you're not falling down. Like USC, it would matter more if USC was down like with North Carolina and Tulane at 81 and 15 or 16. Yes. Then we can talk about, well, USC's being, being left, uh, uh, you know, behind the door there, but because USC is in the thick of it with the Oregon's UCLA's uh, of the world, then it's all going to shake itself out anyways. And uh, right. the things that will shake things out are things that have yet to come. Um, to, to, to get back to one thing you said about the CFP committee, you being surprised they didn't maybe punish USC a little bit more for some of the shakier performances, certainly for the way the defense has looked. Well, let's say the shaky it, performance more so that well, when, USC when doesn't have it, an impressive SC win. SC had one ranked win. Yeah, and that's gone last now. Week and, and that one's gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. USC doesn't have the strength of strength of wins. I think USC has right. a strength of loss, though. Yes. Because I think the committee can look at it and say, well, they've won eight games, and the one loss that they had is literally by a single play. Mm. If the two point conversion fails, 
then USC is undefeated and we're talking about them being in the top five and rightfully so being in the top five because they would be undefeated at, at that rate. So like, I think USC is a difficult one to, to evaluate right now, specifically because of what we've been talking about, the things that will tell us whether or not USC is a top 10 team haven't happened yet. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I was, I was thinking about this today. I was driving around running a couple of errands and I'm like, the human polls came out yesterday and like, can you imagine telling someone who didn't follow college football? Okay. So um, the sport is dictated by these human standings that the humans construct. The humans right make these standings. Some of them come out Sunday. We all look at those. Well, those don't mean anything, but then the ones that come out Tuesday do. I'm like, how would you explain it to someone who's never watched that? Like, there's these different sets of polls and these matter and these don't. And the irony for me is I think the AP poll, like Dave in the chat says the only one that matters is the one that comes out tomorrow, meaning the college football playoff poll. For me, I, I don't care about that one. I care about the AP poll more than I care about the college football playoff one now. Of course, at the end of the season, that will not be the case. Um, and, and yeah, Dave then says, uh, and, and that, that one at the end of the season, the others are just entertainment. Yeah. That, that's the, like, that's the irony of this whole thing. And like all these polls are just straight up, you know, entertainment, but well, and you have to go entertainment, into, that's what college football is, right? That's they, these, these exist for funsies. The polls right now literally exist for funsies and for practice for the voters to figure out how they're going to continue to rank people through the season. The thing that I always wish people would take into account is every single one of these polls right now is incomplete. Right. Because not everyone has played each other yet. Not everyone has played the hardest part of their schedule. Some people have already done the hardest part of their schedule. Some people have done only the easy parts of their schedule. We don't know what the actual reality is because the schedule has not played out. Yeah. Malcolm in the chat says that the rank win was never won because Oregon State wasn't ranked when we beat them. Which this, this is one of the things that's still some BS. I, I get what you're saying, Malcolm. Yes, you it, are technically correct. It's but always I, been my frustration. That's It shouldn't be that way. It's You have some people who look at it as in, the rank, the the ranking when the game happens uh, is what matters, and that's what happens usually for stats. Like, oh, against ranked teams, this team is undefeated, or uh, you know, so and so is three and one all time against ranked teams, or whatever. Um, that is usually because day of, yeah, the day of ranking, it's not there, and and SC sort of loses that. But that's also not accurate. Like, we need to look at the context of both things because, like, we talked about it before. Let's say that, um, you know, 2007 Oregon, I've brought this up multiple times, 2007 Oregon, when they're number two in the country, uh, is a completely different beast uh, in early November than late November when they're unranked without Dennis Dixon, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And so if you played them uh, at one point when they're number two, and then you played them when they're, you know, unranked, they're completely different. And so you should understand the the context of the situation where you look at the at the ranking and what that ranking meant. Uh, and with, in Oregon State's case, they should have been ranked at the time. They weren't. They became ranked last week. And I think that you could look at it and say that, yes, S that SC should get some credit for beating a good team. Um, but, yeah, they're they're not going to get credit as a ranked win more, more often than not unless the playoff ranks Oregon State and then looks at it and says, you know, we, we ranked them, and so we we can just rank. It's, it's all – it's all conjecture. All, yes. all this, this is what all the, the humanness 
of everything. Bring back the BCS. Oh, hell no. You you don't want the BCS? Like, no. you don't want the computer polls at all? No, I think the committee is the way to go. Okay. Uh, Kenny says you should count ranked wins at the end of the season, or at least the rankings. Yeah. It, the latest rankings. At, at, yeah. least, at least a mixture of both. Yeah, your for up, sure. Your, your most up-to-date rankings, which means your ranked wins change every week, or, and... Yeah. Legitimately, at the end of the season, how many teams that ended the season ranked? Because that's the full picture of the season. Did you beat? Yeah. Or lose to, or whatever. Yeah, and and Malcolm's right. The the idea of like should have been ranked can't go down that road. Yeah, because yeah, that that whole thing opens up a can of worms for sure. Yeah. Uh, the other bit of news to discuss is game time for the UCLA game coming up uh, in about twelve days. Now the big LA City Championship at the Rose Bowl, the fortieth anniversary, by the way. The first time the game being played at the Rose Bowl, uh, it's it's always it's always crazy to me that it wasn't until 1982 um, that the game was there. Uh, of course, because UCLA played at home at the Coliseum until 1981, um, but it, it's going to be the the game of all games. We've talked about it before. The rivalry. Uh, I've mentioned it a thousand times. I think the SCUCLA rivalry has sucked in my lifetime because. Neither team is ever good at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, this year seems to be the outlier, and it's going to be awesome. Um, if, of course, both teams can get through this week, Colorado yeah. for SC uh, and Arizona for UCLA, both teams heavily favored and should should get the wins. But, of course, we'll see. Um, but game time is either going to be – of course, it's going to be a six-day window. We figured that one. That's what happens at the end – We've known this for the last 10 years. When you get to November, all the TV partners start uh, using their like three weeks of contractual six, six day windows to make the pick. So here's the two options 5 p.m. on Fox or 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. It will be decided which one is the SUCLA game and which one is Oregon, Utah the same week. So one of those two games. Arguably the two biggest games in the Pac-12 season to date. Maybe the whole season, like, bar none, those are the two biggest games of the, of the season. And one of them is going to be at 7.30 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. It's that's a, that's a, that's a screw-up. I know that the, there are technicalities that cause this to happen. There are weird things that, that cause this to happen. But also, this is the kind of thing that should not happen. If the Pac-12 has marquee games where national title contenders, where college football playoff contenders are are playing, you don't want to have one of them shuffled to 7:30 Pacific. It's just that's just not something you should ever want to happen as a conference. Yeah. Um, you know, foresight and and uh, planning and all that kind of stuff maybe could have prevented something like this, but this is what the, the cards have been, that have been dealt. The good thing. The good thing here for USC and UCLA is if they both take care of business, I cannot see them not getting the five o'clock slot. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I was thinking that the only way that 7.30 made sense um, for this game is if one network had both games and then they could... Do like they, a double header? They, they could make some weird argument that like, you know... Um, SCUCLA is going to draw no matter what time, so put that at the worst one and put the the other the other game at the better time. Yeah. Or some mental gymnast gymnastics 
that's not going to happen because it's Fox and ESPN. Um, I assume the 5 p.m. Fox game has the has the first pick here. I would be shocked if that wasn't the case, but yes. you never know with how these. And so I, it's got to be USC see, UCLA unless they lose. I don't see a way in in unless they. I think they both have to lose. Yeah, I think right? they both have to lose because if USC is eight and one with the rivalry game or UCLA is eight and one with a rivalry game where one of the rivals can potentially knock them knock yeah. knock there's an it, it feels like it might be an elimination game for the Pac-12 title game whatever it is uh I it's it's got to be suddenly they're both eight and two and they're both out of the picture for the the playoff and all of that kind of stuff um yeah because because in in that sense then the Oregon Utah game becomes a uh, a playoff eliminator for Oregon certainly, yeah. and then it becomes a Pac-12 championship preview. Yeah, um, but uh, but if 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 either USC or UCLA is still in the college football playoff picture, it's it's gotta you've got to take PM. that rivalry yeah. game. You have to. It, it's got to be the five p.m. So I, I pulled up the schedule because. Kenny in the chat says it's almost certainly game day, right? Like it feels like it should be game day. Yes, absolutely. Um, Kenny also says maybe big noon kickoff. So here's the interesting thing. Uh, According to ESPN's website, ABC is tagged as the network for Ohio State, Maryland, and Illinois, Michigan. Illinois, Michigan looks like the other big game that week, but of course, Illinois lost this past week. So... If those are the two ABC games, then one would be at 1230 and one would be at five, right? Presumably. Um, perhaps one is, is skewed earlier for, for an earlier slot, but there's no other game that makes sense for game day, A, eh? and there's no other make game that makes sense for Big Noon Kickoff because we know Big Noon Kickoff only makes only works for the Big Big Ten, Big 12, and Pac-12. I I think Big Noon Kickoff ends up by, sort of by default being TCU Baylor, which well is, is a if if Maryland or or Bedlam if, do they go to Bedlam if Maryland beats um, Penn State this week, then they face Ohio State, Maryland. But that game's already t- tagged for ABC. See what I'm saying? Like, no, but, I, but, but that, you're saying that game day would go there? Game day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You think that's... game day is going to go over that, over the, the best SCUCLA UCLA game if, of our lifetime? If USC and UCLA win this week, yes, I do think there's no way they don't go to USC-UCLA. But, like, if both of those teams lose, it opens the door. I, I, there's no other good games. Yeah, I, I think it has to be game day, and I think it has to be a 5 p.m. kick. But, of course, we will see as things go on um that's all we got for news um let's talk about sc and cal of course sc beating cal 41 35 uh on saturday night at least you had a little bit to uh you've slept on it a couple times uh including turning back your clock turning back yeah back the clocks all those things. You got an extra hour to do different nights. Allegedly I got an extra hour. I do not feel like I got an extra hour. That's fair. Um, any, any thoughts? It's been two days removed. I, I keep, I think I've, I've solidified what I was saying on, on Saturday night. Um, I think that this, this offense is very, very, very good. 
This defense is clearly struggling. Um, the injuries have very much impacted the defense, and that for me is the explanation for why the defense is suddenly this vulnerable. Um, I think that maybe we don't talk enough about just how good the, the offense is and how good Caleb Williams is as a quarterback. Uh, we got a, a question on on Twitter about like why isn't why aren't we talking about Caleb as a as a Heisman contender? I feel like we're almost not talking about it because there's nothing to debate. He is one of the top two or three Heisman contenders. He's going to New York at this rate. Um, at the same time, what he needs to do in order to be in the Heisman conversation for real, like to 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 be at the top of the Heisman conversation, like USC in in the rankings discussion. He needs to go ahead and put on a show against the likes of UCLA and Notre Dame. And then I think that we will see more conversation around him. The problem that Caleb Williams has when it comes to the Heisman discussion is very much USC has the last two weeks played Arizona and Cal, and they've done so in the evenings when people's eyes are on other games and I pointed this out to, I forget if it was on Twitter or in text, like Bo Nix was getting a whole lot of Heisman chatter on Saturday. And part of that was just because Oregon played earlier in the day. And so his highlight package was getting replayed over and over and over again, even though it was just Colorado that he did that against. So it does help to play earlier in the day for, for something like for, for those kinds of purposes. But I think that for Caleb Williams, you're, you're we're going to see – Caleb Williams rocket into every national conversation, even though he's already part of them, he's maybe not at the forefront of them. Um, as USC continues to to play games and getting get into the meat of the schedule at the end of the season. But what we've seen from Caleb against Cal, against Arizona, against Utah, against all of those teams, he is just so freaking good. He's so good that I have to half-ass my complaints about USC not running the ball because USC not running the ball is more like a philosophical question than a are you scoring for scoring 40 points question. And we saw that against Cal again this week. I you know, we've had the debate, should USC be running the ball more, blah, 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 blah. But like when Caleb Williams does what he does and he doesn't turn the ball over and he creates those plays. And I'm on Sunday watching Patrick Mahomes uh and and saying like the crazy thing is that Caleb reminds me of Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes reminds me of watching Caleb Williams. Like that is incredibly high praise. And I think that's something that we don't necessarily get to talk about all that much because there isn't really anything to debate on that front. Yeah. We, the, the, it, it suffices to say that Caleb Williams is an, an exceptional quarterback having an exceptional season and is on his way to New York. If he takes care of his business, you know, he can, I think he can even lose to UCLA and still have plenty of conversation. Uh, if he, if, if he does what he does against uh, UCLA, what he did against Utah, like you can't hold that against him in that case. So I think he's um, well on his way to going to New York this year, well on his way to being the Heisman favorite next year. Um that's the level of play that he's giving USC against literally everyone. It wasn't just Arizona's crap defense. Uh, he did it against Cal, and they have a better defense. So kudos to him. I think that's something that uh, we didn't talk about that much, and I felt like talking about. So, 
I, I think the Caleb Williams thing for me, that like the Heisman race has really been quiet. Is, is, is it's it, hard is because it me? because I, I maybe in my it's wide open. It it is wide open, but it also is it like I feel like every time CJ Stroud is talked about, it's immediately like in the context of of Ohio State being a playoff team and him being a Heisman contender. We hear it with with Hendon Hooker and whatnot, and I think that part of the thing for SC is they haven't played as many banner games um, because the way the season is played out. Certainly, when we get to the UCLA game and the Notre Dame game, those are going to be you know uh, games in which everyone in the world's watching. Um, but I, I like I looked up um, Fox has an article right now where Caleb Williams is third, third according to their odds or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean that. That absolutely makes sense for a, a New York a New York trip. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily bank on him being the winner this year, but um, if we're looking at a chance to go to New York, I think the, yeah, he's he's in that discussion. Um, but if he's going to need a you know big three four weeks here uh, remaining because DTR is going to be in that discussion if he if he finishes off solidly. Uh, Bo Nix, Max Dugan, all those guys, Duggan, Dugan. I think it's Duggan. I've, I've had this I'm debate in my head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but, but Stroud, there's some running backs out there that could certainly be in yeah, that conversation. It's, it, it, it just feels like it's very wide open in part because the guys who, like, I think Hendon Hooker, everyone thought he had it in the bag and then he ran into Georgia and now it's like, well, okay, right. so we got to re- reevaluate. And Stroud still has to put on a show against Michigan. Um, Caleb Williams still has to put on a show against UCLA and Notre Dame. DTR can get the Bo Nix treatment that everyone's giving him by putting on a show in the next few weeks uh, if, if he gets a, a national window to do it in. So part of the problem is that every clear front one, front runner is still vulnerable or has been vulnerable or, or, or could be overtaken at some point. Mm-hmm. The Heisman should be decided in – the final weeks of November usually. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're set up for. Well, you, you go back and look at the the famous guys who were solidified as Heisman winners and it didn't happen, right? Geno Smith. Well, yeah, the guys who um, in the first month of the season go off and Leonard then, Fournette. I think yeah. of those those guys who had it in the bag and, and did it to a um had an incredible first couple of months and ultimately didn't win it. So uh, that could happen for Caleb Williams. He's off to an incredible start. Or it could be that he just can, continues to ramp up and you know solidifies himself as not only a contender but a, a favorite later on. Um, we will see how that goes. Um, I want to talk about the defense a little bit here. We got a comment on YouTube um, from Derek that says uh, they were horrible with Gentry uh, with four laughing emojis, excuses. This team would get smoked if they actually played somebody good. Of course, this is in reference, if you listen back to the CarCast, to us trying to understand where SC's defense went awry. Like, we had the conversation, uh, you know, after the first six games at the midway point, who was the best coordinator for SC through the first six games? We both thought it was it was Alex Grinch uh, over Lincoln Riley, and the last three games have had that whole thing age like milk, right? We jinxed it. Um SC's offense has looked incredible the last three three weeks, and the defense has been utter garbage. So I I looked it up, and the um, 
I, I was I was trying to figure out some uh, some numbers here to try to understand is this just about like did my brain get warped to thinking that the defense was good through the first six games or at least acceptable or decent whatever word you want to use so I extrapolated some stats through the first six I took the first six games and the last three games. Broke those down separately. Um, yes, Eric Gentry played the first six games. In the last three games, he's been injured. We can talk about it being Eric Gentry or not. That's irrelevant. The fact is there was a, there's a clear divide between the first six games and the last three games since the bye week, really. So in the first six games, uh, SC's opponents – scored 1.87 points per drive. 1.87. They gained 5.46 yards per play. Now let's compare that to the last three games. Points per drive from USC's opponents, 3.48. Nearly double. They're now gaining 7.19 yards per play. Um, Just yikes. Yeah, that's that's more than a yard and a half per play that they are gaining more in the second half of the season versus the first half. You know, the last three games versus the first six. What like it is? It is incredible the 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 difference here. Um, I, just to give some sort of perspective here, uh, the the five point four six yards per play that SC allowed in the first six games, uh, that average run of the mill. Uh, it would it would rank 66th in FPS if you, if you took it today. Um, 66. The 7.19, if you took that today, uh, the 7.19 yards per play uh, would rank 129th, Alicia. Yeah. So like you go from you go from like middling okay to like horrendously bad. Yeah. The the three point four eight points per drive that SC is allowed in the last three games, if you like, if you that number that was the whole season would rank one hundred and twenty eighth in FBS. Yeah. Like it's again, it's you. We could we had conversations it's, in the first insane. six weeks about is this team is this defense actually decent? Is this de- defense actually good? We were using positive adjectives but not like saying they were great or anything because they weren't great they were just good or decent the last three games have been far far away from even decent like we can't even bring up decent as a word to use to describe and there is a pretty clear delineation between those games and the first three so the the idea that they were horrible in the first six games taking gentry out of it were they horrible in the first six games absolutely not they were not no, and they flat out weren't. No, and, and so the 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 first thought I had was, um, you know, where where is the, where is the issue here? And really, it comes down to uh, yards per pass. The SC is better against the run in the last three games, albeit negligible. Uh, they allowed four point five eight yards per rush in the first half, uh, the first six games. Last three, it's four point four four. Close enough. Don't worry about it. Um, but it's in it's in the pass. Uh, SC is allowing eight point eight four yards per pass, which is just atrocious uh, compared to six point four one in the first half. And so, one of the questions that you could be thinking 
um, is has USC just faced better passing attacks the last three weeks? Uh, but they faced better offenses. The answer, no. I, I, I looked at it. There's not an uptick in pass defense difficulty. When you, I, I, I wrote this down in the notes. When you take the USC game out of the, every opponent's season averages, so you, all nine opponents, you take their season averages for all of the metrics. If you take the USC game out, the first six opponents average more yards per pass, 7.78, than the last three opponents, 7.68. And yet, uh, the first six opponents gained 1.37 fewer yards per pass attempt versus the Trojans than they did in the rest of their games. SC was holding them 1.37 fewer yards below their average. Yes. In, in, in pass defense. So clearly SC was getting the better of them in pass coverage. The last three games, it's absurd. Like it's the complete opposite. Teams are outgaining their season average by 1.2 yards per pass attempt. So again, is this is this gentry? I don't know. I think it's more than just gentry. I, what what is this? Well, like, there's like, been more than like, just the, my my argument on this is that there's more than just gentry out. Yes. It's Gentry and Goforth and Damani Jackson, and there have been uh, little little injuries in and out. Uh, Max Williams missed uh, the uh, uh, some a few drives. Um, you've had just random occurrences that I think. But there's play issues a role. on offense too, and the offense has gotten better. Yes, because the offense is that much deeper. Like the offense is is it it, right. it, do, it doesn't even like compute the difference between those two. So. Uh, I think that the injuries, it, it, to me, it's just it's not happenstance that this happens when the injury bug hits USC's defense because that is what happened in the last three games. Regardless of what, whether or not you want to put Gentry up at the top there as the end-all, be-all reason, the injury bug is the consistent answer in these last three games. Right. Uh, Dave the Greater said on in the chat the difference could also be because opponents didn't know our defensive scheme early on, but now they do. So I that maybe that. that may be a thing, except that I will counter that with the defense, the defensive base that we've seen from USC in the past two weeks since the injuries at linebacker has been different from what we saw at like we haven't seen three linebackers on the field since the linebackers got injured and we saw we, we, they, they would use that formation. Um, we've been seeing more and more and more a single linebacker and it, it deployed because they don't have like, so, so well, I don't know that it's a, the scheme got found out because I don't know that the scheme is the same is the same I, as what was being used before in, in the, in the broader sense. I think the other possibility is that Utah exploited SC in a way that has set the table for everybody else. Um, as, Utah, like the first six games, when SC was getting beat, it was on the ground and it was through through the middle. SC couldn't stop the run at times, right? And, and you look at it, and Fresno State, uh, 5.13 yards per carry. Oregon State, 4.94. Stanford, 4.91. Uh, Washington State was almost at, at five yards per rush, right? Those teams were, were gashing SC at times. And uh, save for Arizona at 6.27, a lot of that was was Jaden Delara, so like take that for what it's worth. Teams haven't been running on SC in that way; they've been attacking them through the air. And I think that we we can look at it and say, did Utah set the tone 
for exploiting how FC could be beaten because the since the, the whole Dalton Kincaid thing, that's how teams have beaten SC, over the middle, finding guys wide open, um, just straight up attacking USC's offense or USC's defense um, rather than than waiting back and just trying to run the football. And so I think it's, it could, that absolutely could be one of, one of the, uh, one of the things. And is that because uh, Utah explored, explored Kincaid more when Gentry went out? I don't, again, I don't know. I think there's There's also all these little things play into it. I don't think it's clear, clear cut. It's not just because Gentry is out. There's also another simple factor that you can factor in. Maybe the DBs have just had a couple bad games. Like, Maybe it is. But maybe I think it, I think maybe it's more it is than that the Sierra. DBs, well, but but like okay, against Arizona, USC gave up some incredible catches. Sure. And that happened, and that was not fluky in the sense that like USC's turnovers weren't fluky, but like that doesn't happen every week for See, Arizona. I, I, I don't mind this the, the week, Arizona game this, in comparison. No, but because this Arizona week, at least has a potent passing. Offense. Yes, no, but this past week, Sierra Wright gets beaten. More times than we've seen him get beaten in the whole rest of the season going forward. Right. We see Makai Blackman getting getting beaten at times in ways that are un- uncharacteristic from from before. Um, we also see Bryson Shaw enter the picture, and that means there's a new uh, chemistry issue to be to be worked out in the secondary that hadn't been in play before. Where you know do, do Bryson Shaw and Caleb uh, Kalen uh, Bullock um it's bullock bullock uh do, uh how are they how is the 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 secondary all interacting with each other with guys now moving around and all that kind of stuff like again these are smaller factors that you plug into the puzzle of what's going on with usc but like all of these things can be contributing and i know that people don't people it's not a necessarily satisfying answer. i think it's satisfying to say like fire the dc or whatever but also Maybe dudes just had a bad day. Like I don't know. There's I think a- that's just, I think that's lessening uh, the 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 issue a little too much. But sometimes dudes just have a bad day. Uh, yeah, but there's been three bad days. Yeah. Well, bad days and like compound. historically bad days. Yes, like- bad days compound, especially when you are dealing with again. And nothing I'm saying, like don't don't get me wrong. Nothing I'm saying is this is the thing that's causing it. But when you have the injuries and the shuffling around of the secondary and the linebacker core, and you're playing offenses that are maybe more more uh, capable of, of exploiting you down the field, and your your young corner who's been doing quite well and and holding up suddenly starts giving up big catches, uh, and things just start breaking down. Like you you start piling things up, and your offense refuses to run the ball, so you're getting back out there after two minutes every time and this and that and this and that and you get flags this way like there's a million pieces to this puzzle i would hear the thing about the offense if the, if the per play numbers weren't but weren't this but the, this is is all factoring in to a broader kaleidoscope of why these things might be happening i'm not arguing for one like you won't be able to point out that the defense you you can't use stats to determine whether or not the defense would be helped no, by USC's no. offense slowing things down. We don't know because we haven't seen USC's offense slow things down yet. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's this. Maybe no, it's this. I, maybe it's this. Maybe it's a 50 million different things that we can't quantify. Like, that's all I'm saying is oh, oh, don't try to boil this down to, like, one thing um, 
to me, the the biggest of the one things is Eric Gentry, but the that that's a piece of a of a larger puzzle that is yeah. contributing to the really uh, the, the the really difficult uh, situations. And Malcolm in the chat, who is our number one Sierra right defender, says he gave up one explosive uh, catch and everyone acts like he got burned five times. He had two pass interference penalties. We haven't seen him commit those kinds of penalties at that at that level in 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 several uh, in several games. All of the DBs, um, uh, uh, um, Makai Blackman has given up a big passing play or two uh, more in the past few weeks than we saw from him in the first few weeks. Um, the we haven't had Damani Jackson out there as a as a, a potential other option for those guys. Um, maybe they're not getting. Maybe they are getting burned out because they're out there more often than they were before. I don't know. Um, who's the the uh, Washington transfer whose name I'm forgetting right now? Um, who is the cornerback as well? Who who is getting um, more playing time uh, well, recently? Like so, all of those guys. It's uh, we're not the. I don't want people to think that we're highlighting one particular player. Like for instance, do I think that it that it made a difference that Tuli Tupelotu? He certainly had a big game this past week against Cal, but he didn't do very much against Arizona or or late against Utah. Like that also had a, right, uh, I, a, a an impact on what was going on with USC. So it doesn't even have to be one guy having a bad day three weeks in a row. I, it has to do with which guys are having which bad days three weeks in a row. And this is why the differential between a good team and a great team is consistency because teams that struggle are usually the ones that have a lack of consistency. And I think that I'm not surprised that this USC defense might have a lack of consistency that is also contributing to this issue because they can't keep, uh, keep yeah, things at I, the same level for 12 weeks in a season. You're, you're, you're talking in generalities here. And I think for, for me, the whole point is to go back to the comment that we got from, from the car cast was, they were horrible with trend with Gentry and this whole, this whole thing is an excuse is that no, there's a clear delineation between the first th- six games and the last three. Yes. The stats very much show that. Confidence and me, might the, also be at play here. Ex- like I don't get mad at me for generalities when that's all we have to work with. Like, uh, all right, let's get to over under. We look back at the, uh, the numbers um, of what uh, went down. We, we set uh, over under lines and predicted made our predictions. Uh, in the game. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. 
That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Prize Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly. An AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. Uh, going into it, Alicia, you were 29 and 29. I was 29 and 29. We were straight up tied. 500. Your first line was 99.5 scrimmage yards for Jaden Otts. 56% of the rot bucks took the over. It was over. It was 120 at 120 yards from scrimmage, 50 rushing, 70 receiving. Perfect even numbers for old Jaden Ott. Yeah, and, and he was... I thought I, I'm not gonna say they had him bottled up, but like for a second there, I thought that this I might get this under. Like for a second there, I thought maybe this will work out, and then the fourth quarter happened, and I have no words. So, yeah, I I um with him being their uh, their danger man of sorts, uh, it did make sense for him to uh, hit that number, especially in a game when they had a great offensive output uh, as the Bears did. Uh, my first over-under line was three and a half sacks, uh, sort of going off of what you had done many times over this year. Uh, you, of course, got baited into taking the over, locks me into the under. 79% of the Rotbots took the over. Looked like SC was going to get the over. Tuli had a couple of sacks early on. Uh, Tulani had one to make it three. They could not get a fourth. It was under with three. And they got close a couple times. I just they uh, did. that one hurts. Yeah. That hurts. Close, but no cigar. Uh, next one. You set the line at four and a half catches for Taj Washington. Of course, he had a season high seven for a buck eighteen and a couple of touchdowns against Arizona. I took the over, locks you into the under. 67% of the Rotbots agreed with me. And of course, he was over. He had exactly seven again. Yeah, this question was was not just about what Taj Washington would do. It was really would would Jordan Addison and Mario Williams play? And the answer yeah. was no. And so that over was a very good pick for you. Yeah, another seven catches, hundred and twelve yards in the touchdown. Near, nearly identical numbers for the Arizona game, except he had two TDs against the the Cats, only one against the Bears. Uh, for me, my next one was 399 and a half Caleb Williams passing yards. Of course, he had a uh, a season high 411 at Arizona the week before. In my little notes here, 
Cal's pass defense is atrocious. You took the under on that. Uh, I got locked into the over. 71% of the Rotbox took the under as well, agreeing with you. It was under. He threw for 360. It's crazy to me that USC can have an offense that puts up like 40 points regularly and not feel like they're not really running the ball the way I want them to and still not have their quarterback go over 400 yards and it's not a prop like it's not a bad thing like that USC doesn't need Caleb Williams to be going 400 yards in a game like this um well I I thought the, strange the way this the way this game went uh we've talked about SC's offense getting better as the season has gone on I think that's certainly the case when we saw the Utah and Arizona games I thought the the offense left a lot to be desired against Cal yeah. Um, you know, in, in the, the second board. quarter, they, they have a three and out followed by essentially a five and outs. Um, those two drives that end up in punts, like they really could have, you know, Lincoln Riley talked about it in the, the post game pressure. They could have separated this game early on. And really, that's when it was, right? Like, as Seeing those? Caleb Williams threw for 360 yards, they, they gained 515, all told as a team, scored 41 points. And I still look at it and I'm like, they still could have probably gained at least another hundred or so. They they probably had at least, you know, 14 points in this more that they could have could have gotten out of it. For sure, but I will still argue that those drives are the ones that they should have been running on. Sh- sure. So. E- either way. E- either way. Um Caleb Williams does get the under 360. Um probably should have got the over, but We'll see. Uh, next one, uh, you said Caleb Williams interceptions. You put it at 0.5, a.k.a. yes or no. I took the over. I said he was just going to have to be due. The, the law of averages, I've done this multiple times this year, and I'm stupid every time because it was under. 71% of the Robots agreed that it would be under. It was under. It was zero. No interceptions yet again. Uh, I would say that this was the – Eighth game of the year in which SC did not c- commit a turnover, but of course, apparently not the case. Uh, they counted the onside recovery for yeah. Cal as a turnover. Yeah. What? I I I don't know the ins and outs I, of like I've, how they determine. I've some of never these stats. heard of that in my life before. Yeah. Like if that's a turnover, then why don't we call turnovers on downs turnover? That's what I said. But I guess because on the fourth down, you were going to transfer possession willingly anyways. So, I, like, we don't call punts turnovers. Like, I, um, I, I get the point. Because the question there is just field position as opposed to, like, like actual, a, like, gaining a possession, which I, is... I get that it's a stolen possession, right? Yeah. But... I saw somebody say that is it because the ball touched a USC defender and thus it became a turnover because... It like it should have been recovered. So it's so it's like a muffed punt or whatever? something like that. I, maybe I I don't know. It's I don't know weird technicalities. Yeah. Uh, last one. I said over under seven and a half. Bryson Shaw tackles. You took the under. Uh, locked me into the over. Seventy nine percent of the Rotbots took the under. Uh, it was over. He had eleven. He had uh, a billion tackles. He was yeah sort of the last man of defense and. When your safety is the 11 tackle guy, a lot of times that's a bad thing. And in this case, it was a bad thing. 
yeah, this was my bad for not recognizing that USC does not have linebackers on their squad and that, yes, of course, the safeties were going to have all the tackles. Yeah. Uh, for the week, I went four and two. You went two and four for the season. I'm now up to 33 and 31. You're 31 and 33. I got a two game lead because I picked both of those up this week. The weekly winners, uh, only one person to mention. One person went five and one. A metric ton of people went four and two, including me. Uh, the only person to go five and one, La Reina of Troy. I like it. Good Love name. it. Good name. Great name. Yeah. Uh, all right, season leaders, folks. Uh, we have a top nine, including a five-way tie for fifth place with Callie Cat, G Young 08, Jay Vandy, L.A. Fred, and Randy from Redlands, all with 38 wins in, in over-under. 38. Ocean Beach Trojans and Moose Pants. Great name, by the way. Great Tied for third, 39 wins. With 41 wins, in second place is Carey from Chicago. And in first place, with 42, is Ryan from Arizona. Big shout out to Ryan. Good job, Ryan. I'm uh, impressed. So that's where it stands for, for now. We're uh, still, of course, three, potentially four or five games left. We'll see how that all uh, comes to, comes to be. Um, so keep an eye on those going forward. Uh, game predictions, of course. You said uh, SC would win 42-28. I said 52-24. Uh, it was 41-35. Cal scored more, and SC scored less than we thought. I was so close to being so close to having this right. I was, for a while there, I was sitting there saying, I was extra point shenanigans away from having this spot on. Uh, and then, and then Cal did a thing. So Cal did a thing yeah. indeed. All right, let's get to the mailbag. We got a bunch of questions. Uh, we got emails. Uh, we also got questions here in the chat live on YouTube. If you're watching us throw, throw a question in there, but first you have to like the video, like the video. We'll wait, we'll wait for one second. Just hit the like, hit the wait. subscribe. Yeah. Hit the share. Yeah. Send it all, to all your things. friends, all your friends. Including the the, but but the friends who actually like click on the things, not like you know you know yeah. the friends that you have you send TikTok to and they don't watch the TikToks, don't send it to them. Send it to the ones who. Who, who do you send TikToks to that they don't watch the TikToks? I always wonder. I always wonder. People don't comment on the TikToks you send. You gotta wonder. Uh, you gotta wonder. I assume that if somebody is sending me TikToks, that they have seen the TikToks that I'm sending because now there's like a mutual agreement that we are. TikTok senders to each other. And there's only really three people. Like I send TikToks to you. I send TikToks to my brother Joaquin. I send TikToks to my brother uh, Andy. And occasionally I send TikToks to our friend Marisol. Yeah. And I and, she send, and they and there is mutual sharing of TikToks. I don't share TikToks to people who don't share them with me. So like there's an implication that we are all watching the TikToks we're sending. Yeah. Um, I, I could, I could go on for, for days talking about TikTok on the podcast, but I'm not, uh, let's go to an email we got from Mike. Hey, uh, dear Rods, uh, I get this is year one of the rebuild, but you can't tell me the cat, the talent on Cal's offense is so much superior to the talent on USC's offense, defense. even, uh, USC's defense, even without Eric Gentry and Raylan Goforth, 
there's no way that Jack or Jake for Alicia Plummer should be racking up 400 yards. I'm not ready to make any final proclamations, but the fact that the offenses have had much less talent than ours, our defense keeps and keeps gashing us is a major red flag. Mike from Colorado. Yes, I'm I'm right there with you. I think that this is why the, the Arizona game, um, I I worry way less about um about what it means versus the Cal game. Cause we knew Arizona had a had a high octane offense that could score points. Obviously, you wanted not to you wanted SC to not allow those points. But when it's Cal that does it, a, a team that, you know, we talked about going in, didn't have the offense to do those things. And then suddenly Jack Plummer's throwing for like a career high at 400 yards. I don't know that he's ever thrown for 400 yards in Madden before. Yeah. And like he's doing that against SC. Like that's, that's a problem. It's absolutely a problem. Uh, it's huge red flags. It's big issues that I think that, um, reminder that it is year one of the rebuild and talent is a tricky word because talent is often dependent on recruiting rankings that can only that are that are limited in in scope between you know how good were you actually in high school where do you project going forward how well have you been coached up over the last few years I think the advantage that uh that that you know, uh, you look at someone like Cal is that they've had the same coach for, for several years, you know, this USC defense, regardless of what talent is on there, like you just haven't had enough time to coach these guys up. And that's assuming that Grinch and, and the staff are good coaches who can coach up defenses and the jury might still be out on them as far as their ability to have a success at USC uh, on that front. But like, it is so early. The time that they've had with these guys, the guys that they have available, like talent's a tricky word on that front uh, for me. It, it's a lot of moving pieces, and you can't shove this under the rug and say it's not a problem. It's absolutely a problem. Yeah. You also have to move forward with what you have and what you know and 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 evaluate from there because there's nothing we can do about this this defense this year. And I can tell you this much, firing the defensive coordinator and starting rebuilding from year one next year is not the solution. So our solution here is to sit here and and hope that they can get this together and get the personnel that they need to to rise up. Yeah, so plenty of time to make the changes. Uh, And and if if you do end up, if if the defense does end up channeling the, those first six games uh, against those bigger opponents, um, everyone will forget the the three game blip. Um, but if the three game blip becomes the remainder of the season, everyone surely will remember that. So, uh, Rammer Murray says, "Question: Looking into the crystal ball, what game do we end? Bowl game do we end up making?" It, I never like bowl projections because. I, I, they're so complicated relative to what everyone else has done. So if I have predicted that USC will lose to UCLA, but beat Notre Dame, if USC loses to UCLA, that we assume they're not going to the Pac-12 title game. Sure. So they'll be 10 and two. And I don't know where that leaves them relative bowl tie-ins. So, 
I I think there's a very decent chance that they could they could go if they go ten and two and don't make the the Pac-12 championship game. I could see a world in which they go to like the one of the uh, the January six bowls. Um, but it's going to be dependent on how all the rankings sort out, and also right? what the other teams in the Pac-12 do too. Because yeah. if USC, if UCLA and Oregon went out to the Pac-12 title game, and one of them loses to the other, then your bowl shift changes. As opposed to what happens if Utah beats Oregon this weekend, and then what happens if UCLA loses to a two-loss Utah team, and then you've got like two-loss Pac-12 teams all left and right, and then right. you know things fall in, a, in an even more difficult place. I Honestly, I just think it's still too early to even predict. I, I, I agree with you that if things play out the way I think at 10-2, and two, USC is probably in a New Year's Six Bowl. I just couldn't tell you necessarily which one of them it would be because there's so many other dominoes that need to fall. Yeah, there, there's a lot, lot of things that could, that could all come to to uh to be in those things I'm looking at espn right now um uh mark slaybaugh says cotton bowl against tulane there you go i love it please make that happen you can uh exercise some cotton bowl demons and i think that if you if you want to end your your season um on a high note cotton bowl against a team like Tulane where USC will have a clear talent advantage. Yeah. Not saying that USC will definitely beat Tulane, but you Tulane like would they, be amped up for yes. that, that would be but USC bowl, should right? still have an opportunity there to get out with a fun, positive ending to the season. Yeah. The, I think the worst case scenario for SC, I mean, okay, besides tumbling down to the holiday bowl. Yeah. Um, the worst case scenario I think is the Alamo bowl because yeah. um, it's just, I think I don't think there's any shame in going to the Alamo Bowl. SC has so many so many things going for them right now. If they end up in the Alamo Bowl, it's going to feel disappointing. Is the Vegas Bowl a higher tie-in yet? Um, I, I, I because that would be that. really fun. Uh, it would be. It would be. Even if it meant sort of a little bit of a step down from. Yeah, I need to reacquaint myself with all the bowls again. It's hard to keep track. It's always it's yeah. always changing. Uh, Dave, the, uh, grader says, is there a scenario where SC plays UCLA again in Vegas? Yes. I think that, you know, the most realistic scenario of that is Oregon getting, um, cannibalized by the Pac-12. Utah beats Oregon and then Utah loses to Colorado. <laughs> well, no, how did, how, no, Utah. The, 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 How does that? Who? That's difficult. The, the problem right now is 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 Utah. Yeah. Um, Oregon beats Utah. Oregon, Oregon beats Utah. Loses to Oregon State. Yeah. It's tiebreaker. It it's because the the tiebreaker. I I think it. You know, actually, at this point, I don't, I don't know. It, it's going to end up with some weird tiebreaker, if so. But at the the most realistic scenario for me on that thing is that Oregon, Oregon has a, and I don't say no. That's I say realistic scenario more so. I mean, than right now we're we're talking about if SC wins wait, out and plays Oregon, right? Wait, wait, wait! I'm getting ahead of myself. 
Oregon plays Washington this week. Yeah. So Oregon, Oregon there's chances for Oregon to fall out. Oregon easily. loses. Oregon has to, a tough schedule. Oregon loses to Washington and Utah. No, or Oregon loses to Washington and Oregon State, and then beats Utah. Yes. And then Utah then has two losses. Yes, and then USC. And then there's a three-way tie with two losses between SC. I, I don't either. It it would be convoluted. I, I, yeah, that's. I think there's an easier chance for Oregon getting out of it because they have a difficult schedule down the. Their last three games are brutal. Washington uh, is absolutely capable of hanging around in a shootout and and playing with Oregon. They go on the road to Corvallis. They play uh, Utah at home. If Oregon gets through, they will have absolutely earned it. Um, but. Yeah, it's. I, I, I mean, the clearest path for that is for Oregon to lose all three of their last games, and then for Utah to lose to SC Stanford. needed to have beaten Utah to. Yeah. To, that, so, like, it's, is it technically possible? Yes, it is. If if both of these teams lose out and Utah beats Oregon, then yes, they would all. They, they that the, would leave USC. But even still, like, I don't know how they. This is a very bad mailbag. We don't know the. Perfect no, because in things. that case, Oregon and Utah would both have three losses in conference. Uh, well, no, Utah would still have to lose. Their first That's, loss was Florida. It's not a conference. No, you or Utah loses to Stanford and Colorado. Yeah, they're not losing to Stanford. No, they're not. I didn't say it was likely. I said it was possible. <laughs> the, 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 th- the thing is that like Utah is a very cake schedule, the exception of playing Oregon. Yeah. Uh, which makes it very difficult for them to get to three losses. Then again, Stanford beat Notre Dame, and so who the heck who, knows what anything who, is? Who knows? A Courtman 17 says, take it or leave it, Caleb goes to New York, but isn't a Pac-12 first-team all-selection. I, I could see that. I we, we talked about it before, I think, on the CarCast. I I think the, the Pac-12 first-teamer is, is going to be a coin flip between Nick's DTR and, and Caleb Williams at this point. Like, they, they all have... They are all playing at first team all conference level. Yeah. Like I I don't know. It's gonna be decided in the last three weeks for sure. Yeah. Um I would rather have Caleb Williams in New York, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think those are the things you remember more than they well, especially because players. Lincoln Riley his reputation. You can use that as a yeah, he tool. he wants to be able to say I put another guy in New York. Yeah. Uh a down point says I hear folks uh Say that injuries explain the slump on defense, but didn't the defense underperform against Washington State before the injuries? Uh, did they underperform against Washington State before the injuries? They held them to 16 points. No, I don't think they underperformed against Washington State. They had so, a very typical the, – the typical performance of those first six weeks was to give up yards early and then to completely shut things down in the second half. So I, the numbers that I, the, that I pulled up the other day, so Washington State game, SC held Washington State to 1.4 points per drive. The only team that SC held to fewer than that was Rice. SC held Washington State to 1.79 yards fewer. Um, uh, sorry, 1.79 fewer yards per pass attempt than they did have against their other opponents. So yes, the SC's defense absolutely held Washington State in check. They gave up a few runs up the middle that were a problem. But outside of that, SC defensively was perfectly fine in that game and yes. dictated the game. So, um, yeah, I, 
Again, clear delineation, first six and last three. Um, Caleb says, would you rather, uh, or Alex says, would you, would you rather Caleb win the Heisman or, or, uh, or anything else? Yeah, for sure. Um, Josh says, why, if Lincoln Riley is such an offensive guru, uh, should he not know when to run the ball over Dink and Dunk, uh, Lane Kiffin's, Dink and Dunk like Lane Kiffin, uh, et cetera, with screens and bubble plays? I don't. USC is seventh nationally in 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 scoring this season. So like, I think that Lincoln Riley arguably could do more to run the ball, and I think Lincoln Riley could also point out that say like, well, but if I ran the ball, I might not score these. Like I, the the outcome yeah. of running the ball is not necessarily positive, and clearly the results have been positive. So. It's just, I, I, when you have a top ten scoring offense, like you are clearly doing something right. This isn't, uh, this isn't a Lincoln Riley doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Oh, I'm sorry for the cursing, but Lincoln Riley doesn't know what he's what, doing. What situation. Doing I know. I'm sorry. Uh, Alex says, uh, did did Carson Palmer win the Heisman because of his performance against Notre Dame? Can the same thing happen with Caleb Williams? Yes. Yeah, I think that that Notre Dame game is probably going to be on prime time, last game of the year. Uh, the uh, no- Notre Dame is not the top ten team that they were when Ty Willingham brought them to the Coliseum in two thousand two. But they won't be that far behind that. But the key is that's going to be right after the week in which SC plays UCLA potentially at five p.m. again on national TV, and it's back to back weeks in which Caleb Williams can. I think he can make a big statement against UCLA and put the, you know, cement himself in the Notre Dame game potentially. Notre Dame, and we obviously haven't seen what the college football playoff ranking looks like, but in the AP poll, they bolted up to number 20. Yeah. And uh, we don't know what they're going to do for the rest of the season because we've seen who the heck knows, but they've got Navy and, and BC. So let's say that they, they win those games. They're not going to get a lot of brownie points, but you look at sort of the rankings, like, Texas could lose. Um, North Carolina could lose. Penn State could lose. There's a lot. I mean, Utah is going to either lose or beat Oregon or or upset the, the apple cart there. So there's there's going to be room for Notre Dame to potentially be a top 15 opponent by the time USC and uh, USC plays them. So that will be a marquee game that will give Caleb Williams a, a big chance to shine. And like you said, if he has a performance against UCLA, he will already have put himself in uh, in a really good spot. Yeah, I think there's a plenty of chances to uh, to continue to to have a say there. Uh, Josh says, uh, "I'm already seeing grumblings to fire Grinch, even though next year is the first official recruiting class he will have as a defensive coordinator." Do you agree with those grumblings? No, I think I think we're both in the same camp that. It's it's a little too early. If if the the only way that I think you get rid of Grinch is if the, these last three games just continue to snowball and get worse and worse and worse. And even then, I still don't think you get rid of Grinch because, um, I think you have to be egregious. It would have in, to be in the in year one to 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 go. It would have to be like. For me, like it would have to be off the field. It would have to be something like that. I don't know that it have to be. Like one of that. I mean, the- if, I guess if USC gives up a hundred points each in uh, to Colorado, well, UCLA, and Notre Dame, if the Colorado game is just as bad as the Cal game, 
It's um, bad, that, but that's a, that's I still giant, don't giant know that you flag. fire him. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not saying you do, but I think that like there is a world in which it could happen. I don't, I wouldn't do yeah. it or expect it for sure. Yeah. Uh, Cameron says, "What are your thoughts on Anthony Hill Jr. decommitting from the overrated all caps Texas A&M? Does USC have a chance with him?" Cameron from Frisco. Cameron, Texas A&M is not overrated. Oh, they're rated very lowly though. Exactly. So how could they be overrated? <laughs> uh, to answer your question, Cameron, yeah, I think USC. I mean, USC was one of its finalists, so USC's got to have a chance. But anytime a five-star linebacker comes off the board, there's going to be a lot of competition for him, and this is going to be a big opportunity for someone like Alex Grinch to prove that you shouldn't fire him because he's capable of bringing in these kinds of uh, these kinds of talents. It's it's not going to be easy, but you do have to. You do have to win that kind of recruiting battle to prove that you're ready to to be elite. Because what is the position that USC really needs help at? Linebacker. So yes, bringing yeah. in some five star linebackers would certainly help. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kenny says, "Can we get a quick basketball minute for the season?" Uh, Kenny, here's the thing. I can give you a link to the Tunnel Vision live stream, and if you ask there, Shotgun will do it for you. Um, it'll be better than anything that we could give you. I, I promise. I don't think anyone has any idea what this USC team is going to be. So that's my basketball sentence. There you go. Um, Alex says, with questions about Clemson coaching decisions, could you see uh, DJ transferring to UCLA next year? Sure. I Maybe. Poss- possibly, but UCLA... They have um, the the transfer from Washington. I think Ethan Garbers is there. Um, I don't know that. I mean, regionally, I think it makes sense for him. I don't know that that's the most likely destination if he decides to transfer. It's hard to say. Yeah, I don't. Can you see him fitting in that offense? No. Can, can you see him doing the things that DTR does? No. And I know that's. That's probably like how many guys can do what DTR does. So yeah, um, I don't know, but I, I just can't, I can't, I can't see him working there. Um, Stephen says favorite pregame food or snack. I love, 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 love a can of Hormel chili, no beans, and Fritos scoops. There you go. That is my ideal Saturday game day, like snack food. And I don't know why I don't just have a stack of Hormel chili, no beans cans that I keep in my cabinet. And I don't know why I don't buy Frito scoops every time I enter a space where there are groceries. I don't know why, because there's literally not a day that goes by that I don't think that is my ideal Saturday snack and like we literally just got groceries today and now i'm really mad at myself for why didn't we get can we talk about scoops and chili although the last time i went to ralph's to go pick up specifically scoops and chili they did not have any chili literally zero chili not even the beans variety like no chili and they didn't have any scoops i had to get regular fritos so it's a hard not life folks i'm gonna give you a little inside inside the uh the rot household um some details 
Now, how grocery shopping works. <laughs> grocery shopping works in I make an online order and then go pick it up. Mm-hmm. I um, curbside the uh, pickup. It's the greatest thing in the world. Never this, have to go in the store. Never have to talk to a person. This strategy is very good for introverts and social awkward people like like you and I who it's don't wonderful. like to go into yeah. stores. But and also for saving money because then it's just whatever is on the website and you get instead of doing the whole walking down the aisles and ending up like me Except, where I bring home a million things and then I never I don't eat them because here's the thing it's this is this is what happens okay well what would you like um because I'm not walking um, see if I if I went to Ralph's and um, walked down that aisle where the beans are and I was going to um, go pick up some beans which is something we always have in our in our pantry then I would have seen the Hormel chili, no beans, and I would have you gone, know oh, what the store has. Yeah, but it's not on the front of my mind. It's a me problem. I get I it. Know. It's a me problem. This is now, you know, tomorrow's my day off. So maybe tomorrow I'm going to make a grocery run and see if I can pick up some uh, some beans and some Fritos chips. Not some Hormel chili, no beans. I, and so, chips. so for me, a favorite snack. Um, like me is like me some bean dip, um, some uh, nacho cheese. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Um, the other thing with the, yes. Uh, a yes, uh, a th- give me some um, sour cream and cheddar ruffles. Regular ruffles, absolute. Don't trash. say it. Oh, regular ruffles just, are trash. Why? Way, because wavy lays are extremely superior. No, except regular ruffles are amazing, especially with. Tr- some ranch cheddar sour cream ruffles wonderful they're very good wonderful um let's go to dave the greater what's the best soft drink you're just gonna say like uh coke heavy well that's that's this is the debate i'm now having internally like okay the the best in terms of always uh, always available and good uh regular coke um if I am at a freestyle machine and get to choose anything, like I will go with the vanilla Coke. But also, my brother bought a bunch of cans of Pepsi Nitro, which is like the Pepsi cans that are like the Guinness cans where they have like the little nitrogen injector thing in them. And I am in love. I like those. That is like beautiful. I, I love it. I want more of that. So... Like right now, if you had asked me, it's 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 that it's nitro Pepsi. Like, wow, geez. Uh, the answer, of course, on best soft drink is how am I getting that? Is that out of a can? Is that out of a <laughs> of two course. liter bottle? Is that out of a tap? If it's out of a tap, what what where are we at? Um, that matters. Um, of course, McDonald's Diet Coke elites, Whataburger Diet Coke elite. In and Out Diet Coke, elites, Jack in the Box, and Wendy's Diet Coke, trash. Of course, the freestyle machine, folks, god awful. The worst invention of all time because it doesn't give you the purity, the sanctity <laughs> of a beverage because everything has this like funk of every other flavor, which might be good if you want like an orange Fanta and then you get a hint of cherry something, which I like. But when you want the purity of a good Diet Coke, it gets ruined. Uh, the, but the, the real answer is um, Diet Coke from a tap, uh, from a fountain, 
and uh, Diet Pepsi from a two-liter bottle. That's the best uh, soft drink there is. Uh, of course, if we're talking like I'm ha- having a soft drink with like no other food or anything else, just randomly having a soft drink, give me a grape soda, baby. Love me a grape soda. I, I mean... Big fan. Big fan. Uh, so yeah that's uh, last question we got from Dave the Greater bought a big bag bag of mixed candy for Halloween pulled out all of the hundred grand bars for myself do you do the same Um, so it's funny you mentioned this because we got an email uh, about hundred grand bars Uh, this comes from Guy Uh, it says dear Michael and Alicia I cannot fathom you're pouncing upon the ver- venerable Baby Ruth candy bar, evidently be- solely because it <laughs> contains the innocent ingre- ingredient of peanuts. That's right, peanuts. Terrible. Must don't belong in your mouth, folks. However, Guy continues, I concur with your panning those awful coconut-flavored fa- things, which my wife uh, is crazy enough to love, uh, those Peter Paul Almond Joys or whatever. Yet the outrage of outrages, I had 100% expected Michael to tear candy corn a new you-know-what as the most disgusting Halloween staple. But perhaps it was an oversight. Best regards, Guy uh, in Lake Balboa, a.k.a. Uh, F-Zunes. F-Zunes on, uh, on the P. I don't know why. I thought he was talking about 100 grand. It's not in there. But No, I think we got a comment on YouTube that was about the 100 grand. But either way... Either way, uh, thank you for the email. We I, did not discuss here's, here's candy the, corn. Here's the, here's the thing about candy corn. Folks. What is there to discuss? It's disgusting. Candy corn is not disgusting. Candy corn it's is bad. Di- candy corn. The first first piece of candy corn, the first corn that you have, you're like, oh my god, this is insanely good. No, no, the first the, piece. No, the first. I will give you the, the first, first piece, piece you have is like. Huh, this isn't as bad as I remembered it. And then the first piece, one more inch of it than that. First piece, you're like, hmm, good. Second one, pretty good. Third one, I mean, it's a, it's all right. And then immediately it goes to, why is this edible? Why I, do people eat this? I have never eaten more than two candy corns without deciding the, I want no more it, of it, this. It goes from fine to utterly god-awful overnight. It's so, bad. yes, candy corn is good if you have, like, two. Two little candy corns, fine. Anything beyond that, utter, utter trash. Uh, Adam Ponoy says cranberry ginger ale. That sounds like a good mixer. I don't mixer. know about it. I don't know. Really a good mixer. Josh says nacho cheese Doritos are the best chip of all time. Yes, agreed. Uh, cool Ranch, Garbaggio. Absolutely trash. You want my my closest to a Michael hot take? Hot take. What? Doritos are overrated. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. 
Head to Hero.co to shop today. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.